Welcome to another edition of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and it is such a blessing and an honor to have you with us once again on this podcast. If you haven't already done this, uh, make sure you follow our podcast and whatever app that you're using, scroll down and find the place where you can review this channel. I mean, excuse me, this podcast. Give us a five-star review, and more importantly, and just as important, I should say, and maybe even more importantly, is to write us a review because we found out that when you leave a five-star review, that is tremendous. That helps us. But when you write a review, a lot of people will click on that and read what you think about this podcast, and that has been proven to be very influential in whether somebody decides to continue to listen to this podcast or not. And our heart is for this Remnant Leadership Podcast is to reach out to Remnant Leaders and to show them that they are not alone and that we are rising in the midst of all this chaos that's going on around the world today. I want to talk to you today about, uh, because at the time of this recording, um, and I, there's no telling when you'll be able to, when you'll be listening to this, it could be years from now, it could be any other time of the, of the year, but the time that I'm recording this is uh, the week of the anniversary celebration, or sorry, celebration is not the word by no means that I want to say, but I should say in memorial and thinking of 9-11. Uh, it is, um, 9-11 has just passed a couple of days ago when I'm recording this, and at the time of this recording, it's 21 years, 21 years ago, uh, 9-11 happened, and we all remember exactly where we were if we were old enough to remember that, uh, what was going on in our lives. And it changed everything. It literally did change everything. But one of the things that was so remarkable about 9-11, and when you are able to watch any kind of documentary and anybody talking about what they witnessed and saw there on the ground in New York City and, and even at the Pentagon, uh, and certainly the bravery that we saw in the, the flight that crashed in Pennsylvania, uh, that they were influential, the, the passengers were influential in taking the plane down, was such bravery. It was just amazing bravery. And one of the things that always gets me is when I see the images of from 21 years ago uh, watching these firemen and these policemen uh, going up into the towers. The, both of the towers were burning. Uh, debris was falling. Um you know, unfortunately, sadly, people were had lost hope, and they were jumping to their death to 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 um, out of the windows instead of suffocating through smoke inhalation. And you know, they were they were witnessing this on the ground. They were seeing the bodies hit the ground. It was just horrible. And um, while everyone is running out of the towers, uh, the first responders were running into the towers. They were going up the steps and uh, trying to break people free uh, that had debris blocking their way to get out. These were the first responders. That's why they're called the first responders. They're usually the first on the scene to help in time of tragedy. And uh, what bravery. Many of them were killed when they could have, like others, ran away uh, because they could see the imminent danger. I don't think anybody really ever dreamed that the buildings would come down but they knew that, you know, it was a very horrible situation. And those that stayed there was probably more than likely going to be injured greatly or may even die. But 
you know, the adrenaline kicked in, the service kicked in, uh, who they are kicked in, and they ran back up in the towers. And it's just mind-boggling to think about it. Uh, you know, they're operating by, you know, Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And, you know, I'm not saying that they were not afraid. I mean, they're human. They were probably afraid. But they understood that the call and the mandate and what they had signed up for uh, was greater than the fear. And, and they, they had taken an oath. Many of them had taken an oath that they would put their lives in harm's way if need be and run into the fire, run into the storm the damage, uh, the danger, the crisis. And, of course, this is a um, leadership podcast. This is a uh, podcast that is based on the gospel as well um, because we believe that true leadership follows the example of our ultimate leader, which is Jesus Christ. So, you know, if you're listening to this, whether you're a leader in the business world, leader in the church, uh, the reality is this. You are a first responder. And especially if you're called to preach the gospel and minister, you are a first responder. And, you know, somebody dies in your church, your pastor, uh, they call you. Uh, somebody has a car wreck, they call you. Um, if there's a tragedy happening with one of their children, they're addicted to drugs, they, you know, OD'd or just, you know, whatever happens that's a tragedy, usually a minister uh, is called into that crisis as a first responder. And uh, maybe it's not, it definitely is not most of the time, 99.9% of the time on the level of, you know, 9-11. But it can be a dangerous situation physically, but it also can be very um, uh, chaotic and dangerous spiritually uh, that you have to prepare yourself and cover yourself. Um, you know, the Bible tells us a, a you know, a great example of what a minister is called to do at times. And I'll tell you, you know, I'll, I think our grandparents probably all said this saying, but I can remember my granddaddy saying this, that, you know, talking about, you know, what he was doing for a living and, you know, just in life in general. He would say things like, son, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And the truth is, everybody is not leading. Everybody is not uh, taking an oath to run into the crisis. Most people are running away from the crisis, but but that's not you, right? You're a remnant leader. That's why you're on this podcast. Um, you know, I'm not saying that God has called you to, uh, you know, not think of your family, not think of things that matter to you and just abandon it all for the sake of someone else's tragedy and crisis because, you know, your, your first priority is your family. Uh, but there will be times that, you know, you will have to show your family that, hey, you're, you're going to have to let me sacrifice this moment because I've, I'm not like uh, everyone else. I'm not just called to, you know, attend church or just run a business. I'm a remnant leader. I'm a minister. I'm a, I'm a fivefold ministry gift. So in this crisis, I have to go. I have to be a part of this. I have to be involved. And sometimes you're the only um sense of balance. Sometimes you're the only sense of peace. You know, I can't tell you the times that tragedy has happened and um, someone has been unexpectedly killed in a car accident or some tragedy has happened, some diagnosis has come down and, you know, who they're calling me, come, come pray with us, come, come, we need you, we need you. 
And, you know, and I'm on my way there and I'm just talking to God and I'm just saying things like, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say, God. There's, what do you say in a situation like this? And I've learned many times that there's really not much to say. Uh, and sometimes it, saying something could be more detrimental than not saying anything. Sometimes it's just a matter of you being there, uh, just, just being in the, in the fire. Just they see you running into the situation. And sometimes you have things to say that are profound, but most of the time it's just your presence being there. But sometimes you, you, your presence is, is bigger than just being there. You're on an assignment. I think of, you know, in Numbers, there, in the book of Numbers, it, it tells a story about a plague that was uh, wreaking havoc on the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. And Aaron uh, and Moses were there, and Moses was leading them. And these, this play, well, let me just read it. Numbers chapter 16, verse 41 says, On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses. Watch this. Complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned towards the tabernacle of meeting. And suddenly the cloud, which is the glory of God, covered it. And the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from, a, get away from among the, this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Okay, watch this. They were, they were complaining and they were griping. Their gripe and their complaint, quite frankly, was against God. But they knew they couldn't take it to God, so they went after the leader. So they started blaming the leader. Now, you'll be a blessing as a leader to people's family, but when things are going wrong sometimes and you don't go exactly like they thought it would be, they'll, they'll turn their blame on you. That's another difficulty of being a leader and certainly a remnant leader in times like this when we have so many people who are just quite frankly, spoiled rotten like a bunch of spoiled kids that want to expect everything handed to them on a silver platter and nobody has to work and nobody has to do anything like that. So when things don't go perfectly, like, you know, you promised me I would be able to live my best life now, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're, I don't feel like I'm living my best you, you told me something wrong. They come after the preacher. Well, it's always been that way. And they were coming after Moses and Aaron, and God, God said, I'm about to deal with them. So... This plague happens, and people just start dying. Now, watch this. And then they start complaining against Moses and Aaron. And they fell on their faces. Verse 46 says something very interesting. It says, so Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar and put incense on it and take it quickly. That means run. Run to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. So Aaron, listen, took it as Moses commanded, ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people. And listen to this. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. Now watch this. Listen to this. Listen how fast people were dying. Now those who died in this plague were 14,700. 
besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting for the plague had stopped. So this plague against the people of God were killing people. It was just like a wave of death, almost like an epidemic, almost like a pandemic, almost like a virus, <laughs> a, a, a pandemic, if you will. And people were dying and people were under fear. And I'm not trying to, you know, laugh off what just happened. We understand it was very real and it was very tragic. And many people that are listening to this have lost people that they loved. But the reality is this, at the core of it all was a fear, fear. And, and the spirit of fear just took over this whole nation and this whole world. But but this was on another level. This was this was like quickly 14,700 people had already fell dead. Now, listen very carefully what I'm talking about right now because the title of this podcast is First Responders of the Faith, Those That Run Into the Crisis, Those That Run Into the Fire. And that's exactly what happened here. Notice that God did not move upon Moses to tell Aaron to stand in the church and pray. I believe in prayer. I believe, y'all, in prayer. Prayer is powerful. But sometimes gathering in the safety of the church and praying uh, when an epidemic, a pandemic, a virus, a plague is plaguing the people of God, you're going to have to get out of the safety of the house of God and you're going to have to run into the fire. And you're going to have to stand between the living and the dead. And listen, this 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 insinuates that and implies that Aaron had to run through the dead bodies. 14,700 bodies is a lot of bodies. That's a lot of bodies. We were just talking about 9-11 just now. You know, that's 3,000 bodies, which was 3,000 too many, not to mention those who were, that were permanently maimed and, and injured. But, you know, 3,000 at least, maybe more, died on that day. This was a day where 14,700 had already died. And in order to stand between the living and the dead, he had to run through the dead. He had to literally run through death. He had to run through the pandemic. He had to run through the virus. He had to run through the plague. While everybody's screaming at him, don't you know you're in the midst of death? If you touch any of these bodies, you could die. Death, death. When you run through 14,700 dead bodies spread out, they probably wouldn't all piled up. I don't mean to get grotesque on you, but that's a pretty widespread area. That's a lot of running. That's a lot of stepping over. That's a lot of, um, you know, it's just a hard picture to get in your mind. It's a very horrible situation. He's running through literal death. And he cannot stop until he gets to the other side of the line of death. And the Bible says he takes the censer, which of course is incense, and the fire from the altar burning. And he holds it up and he stands between the living and the dead. I want to read that again. And he stood between the living and the dead and the plague was stopped. What if he would not have ran between the living and the dead? What if he would not have ran into the crisis? What if he'd have ran from the crisis? What if he would have quit? Like, quite frankly, many ministers are doing now. Churches are closing down. Pastors are quitting. They say, well, what's the use in this? I mean, I, 
I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be. I don't want to be tormented the rest of my life. I want to. I want to be happy. I want to be. You know, I want to enjoy life. Well, you know, so do I. And God said He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. But listen, you're listening to the Remnant Leadership Podcast, not just a leadership podcast. The Remnant Leadership Podcast. You know, we talk a lot about the last days when that kingdom that's prophesied in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 that that cannot be shaken. The whole world will be shaken, and the things that can be shaken will be shaken, and those that cannot be shaken shall remain. And the things that remain in the kingdom that cannot be shaken that remains is the remnant. And that's us. Listen, we're not called to sit in the church building, you know, in a posh office and that's it. We're called to the streets. We're called to the crisis. We're called to run up the steps of the towers when everybody else is running down. We are the first responders. We are the kingdom first responders. And, you know, we run between the living and the dead. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't just stand on this side over here and speak in the name of Jesus and stretch our hands all the time. Sometimes you got to get your hands dirty. Sometimes you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, for God is with you. That's what remnant leaders do, and that's what Aaron did. He ran between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. See, when you understand who you are, and when you understand that that censer that he had in his hand represented the fire of the altar, represented the anointing, it wasn't just him that was running. It wasn't that he had any power in himself to stand between the living and the dead and cause the plague to stop. No, it stopped because, number one, he operated out of obedience. He did what he was told to do. He pushed his fear aside. He pushed his um, anxiety aside, and he literally ran through death till he got to the edge of death. But then he held up the anointing. Then he held up the altar. Then he held up obedience to God. And when he held that up, the plague stopped. See, that's what first responders, they get their training. That's why, that's why we talk about the fivefold ministry gifts. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, that he gave gifts unto men and apostles, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Listen, we come together to be equipped to get some fire inside that sensor so that when we're sent out to run into the crisis, you know, that not only do we have the Holy Spirit, number one, the blood of Jesus with us, but we also have obedience to the call with us. But we also have uh, the discipleship that we've gone through, the equipping that we've gone through. You know, we're not just running haphazardly into a fire. We have been trained. We have the armor. We, we are covered in the glory of God. We have a mandate. We have the anointing on our lives. So we don't have a spirit of fear. We have a po- spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. To the rest of the world, it don't seem like a sound mind. Why, why would anybody, why would anybody run into a burning house when it looks like it's about to fall down and collapse in the fire. Well, the only reason that someone would run into a burning house is if they're a first responder and they hear someone yelling for help that is still in that house, or they've been told by a family member that if there's another family member 
alive in that house, and they can hear them screaming. They, they, at that moment, something kicks in to that first responder, and and you, know, even though they may have a family and probably do have a family, and they have responsibilities, and they have people that would be just devastated if something happened to them. A remnant first responder, that first responder in the natural world, that fireman, that that uh, that policeman, that military person that's in battle. They at that moment the adrenaline kicks in, and they don't think about themselves. They run into the fire, listening for the screams, and they do everything they can do to get to them. Do they always get to them? Are they always successful? No, but many times they are. And uh, you know the they'll be a hero to that family member when they bring that child back out, or they bring that grandparent back out. They're the hero at that moment, and they may make it on the news, but then after that, it's over. People have forgot about them. But those people that were saved, those people that were pulled out, those people's family members that were pulled out of the fire, pulled out of the tornado damage, uh, they remember. They remember for the rest of their lives. They remember what that person looked like, what his name or her name was. You know, the act of power and selflessness of running into the into the crisis. See that's what a that's what a remnant leader does. That's that's what a first responder in the kingdom does. Because you know, we we have we have something that on us that that the common person that doesn't have. We number one, we're saved, we're born again. Uh we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. I love what Psalm 91 says about the remnant believer, about the remnant soldier. This is how he feels about himself. This is this is what would cause someone to run into the fire uh, when in the natural it doesn't make sense. When everybody else is screaming, you've lost your mind. You you you're going. You, it's going to kill you. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's not worth it. Well, the psalmist in ninety one, and, and by the way, you you might be surprised to find out that was written by Moses, not David. Psalm ninety one was written by Moses. And it says this, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snow of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings. You shall take refuge. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. My God, what a powerful word. See, when, you, when you've got that word, when you're standing on that word, you can run into the crisis. You can run into the fire. Now, you might get burned and things, and you know, you might get taken out. But that's a chance you know that you're willing to take. But when you walk and you go into that crisis with the anointing of God in your life, chances are not only are you going to make it out, but you're going to bring somebody out with you. Oh, my goodness, I love that. I love that there is a remnant group of men and women in this last day that are not afraid to run into the fire, into the damage, into the storm, into the tornado. And, you know, as we remember 9-11, and we will never forget the heinous things that happened on that day, you know, we won't just remember it for the day that the towers came down. We won't just remember it for the day 
to remember what those demonic terrorists and their agenda was to destroy and kill as many lives as possible. That's not why we remember 9-11. We remember 9-11 because we honor those 3,000-plus that lost their lives. We honor those that were injured and permanently maimed. But we also honor those first responders. We honor those men and women that many of them are nameless. Many of them were killed. A large number of of that 3,000 was first responders firemen, policemen, paramedics, uh, just and then there's just every everyday heroes. Some of the first responders, quite frankly, that ran back up the towers and helped people out of the towers were not um, professional first responders. They were just, they might have been somebody just working in a cubicle and something kicked in, and instead of worrying about getting out, they were worrying about getting their coworkers out. And they went back up the steps to get, uh, you know, the, the the lady that nobody knew where she was. She was stuck on the other end of their office. Next thing you know, here becomes he becomes a hero. He goes up through the steps and he gets her out, and then it collapses on him. So many stories like that, you know. Some of them policemen, some of them firemen, but many of the first responders that I'm talking about, those that ran into the fire and into the crisis. They didn't have an armor on in the natural. They were not doing, quote, unquote, a job that they had been trained to do. Many of them just had something kick into them. They were just good men and good women that just said, I cannot I cannot let my friends die. I cannot let my coworkers go down. Where are the remnant leaders? Where are the remnant leaders that will not just be so worried about themselves getting burned or getting cut, but they – will run into the fire, and they will run in to the battle. That is the people that make a difference in this world, and that's you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's you. We're 26 minutes into this podcast. If you are still listening at 26 minutes and 28 seconds, you are a remnant leader. There's something inside of you I can... I just know it's burning inside of you right now. This word has connected with you. And you've said, yes, God. Yes, God. I will not run away from crisis. I will not run away from attack. I will run in and I will save as many as I can. With my last dying breath, I will be doing and advancing the kingdom of God. And one day I'll stand before you the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I will hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. I'll rest when I get to heaven, but there's work to be done. Jesus said, work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. It's time for the remnant to rise. Thank you for joining on me with the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'll talk to you next time. Tell somebody about this broadcast. God bless and thank you again.